Warning, this podcast contains serious and explicit content from the real-life stories that often involve horrific crimes committed against women, children, and men alike, to the language and comedic angle that the hosts bring to the table. This is a comedy podcast specifically focused on true crime events, and it is not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This discussion, two young girls and one of their mothers go missing in the middle of the night, all vanish from within the same residence. Beds were slept in, their purses were found piled together in the same room, the TV was left on with static, and besides a front porch light cover being broken, it doesn't really look as if a struggle took place. How can three women all disappear at the same time and never be seen again? Welcome to We Didn't Do It. Ladies and gentlemen, it is me and Rick again. Good old Ricky. Oh, yeah, yep, let's Brian, fucking do it. From the Brian Schaefer podcast. Oh, yeah. So we're looking into the Springfield 3, which is a pretty infamous case. It's um three women who went missing in uh, 1992, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so it's fairly old, but it's interesting as shit. And there's a lot of... Um, a lot of information, a lot of theories, a lot of speculation, a lot of suspects. And it's just wild, dude. Just like, this is why, like, I don't like to do old cases. I like to do, mm-hmm. like, modern ones. Like, um, something, one of my cases that sticks out to me, and a lot of people are like, why, why, why? Max Greenfield sticks out to me because yeah. it was so recent. And it's, and, and like, he was on video walking away Mm -hmm. and then he's never seen again it's like where the fuck did he go what happened you know what i mean so yeah i like to do what did you think of the max greenfield case obviously oh yeah oh yeah what was that i remember i was longboarding i was like the casino yeah 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 so he walked into like away in a field and he was just gone yeah i mean that was yeah uh, yeah, that was good because I mean, at least I feel like if they're more recent, I can like relate to them. Like, yeah. I mean, because because I look at the date, I'm all like, okay, 1992. I was like, yeah, one year old at the time, and like, <laughs> but if it's like in the two thousand, like you can kind of like almost relate to a person. You could been like, wow, I could have been like their friend or something. Like, right, right. Like even these like 18 and 19 year old um girls here that go missing in 1992. Well, they'll have been like old as shit now. So like, I mean, like you can't really relate, you know. Yeah, but this case, like, I don't like to do old cases, but this case is, is one where it was always on my list because of just how interesting it is, how peculiar mm-hmm. it is, how peculiar. Okay. And, um, yeah, let's just dive into it. Uh, let's do it. So it is old, but whatever. So the Springfield mm-hmm. 3, and we're reading um, truecrimearticles.com, written by Craig Barry. Uh, Craig, not, with not, a, yeah, yeah, with a C. Yeah, Craig with a C, not, not Greg. You know, no, Greg is so clear. He's a fucking loser. Exactly, Greg is clearly the superior name. You know. Yeah. So, um, 
Let's read this bitch's article. So the Springfield 3 revolves around the unsolved disappearances of 47-year-old single mother and cosmetologist Cheryl Levitt, her 19-year-old daughter Suzanne Streeter, often known as Susie, which is fucking... Okay, you're <laughs> a fucking loser, dude. Fucking ar- yeah, Suzanne, just- also known as Susie. Like, like, they'd be like Gregory, also known as Greg. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, but right. yeah, but dude, how, how many girls do you know named Susie? That's like how you know you can't relate to them because it's like an older name. That's like your, you yeah, know, it's like Dolores. Yeah, it's like Cheryl and Suzanne. Like, what the fuck, yeah. dude. And then, uh, so right. so Cheryl, Suzanne, and then her eight, uh, her eighteen-year-old friend, Suzanne's eighteen-year-old friend. So Susie's eighteen-year-old friend, uh, Stacy McCall. I'm just reading this dude's article, so I don't know where where we're going with it. But during a period of Cheryl's life, she and Susie relocated into a smaller home on East Delmar Street in Springfield, Missouri. Shale was a single mother working as a cosmetologist. She loved her profession at the local hair salon, so much that her daughter had ambitions of becoming a stylist, uh, just like her. So on June 6, 1992, Susie and Stacy graduated from, wow, Kickapoo? (laughs) Kickapoo (laughs) High School. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's like a tribe name of like some, uh, you know, uh, those uh, Native Americans and shit. <laughs> <laughs> what else would it be if it wasn't Native American? Tribe of what? <laughs> we talking I Africa here? It's not <laughs> Kickapoo. Okay. Kickapoo. So, okay. um, the two had plans for the future before they, uh, but before they enrolled in college, they made it a priority to enjoy the aftermath of graduation, embracing in the summer weather and freedom before uh, entering adulthood. So basically, they're partying, doing a lot of drugs, and having a lot of sex. Yes, that would be what that's implied, yeah. Yeah. Later that evening, after the ceremony, Susie, Stacy, and a mutual friend, Janelle Kirby, set their eyes on traveling 30 minutes away to Branson, Missouri, which Branson, I don't know if you know, but Branson is like Nashville, Tennessee, uh, junior. It's like a, it's like, it's basically Nashville, but just like a littler version of it. Oh, wait a second, dude. They got like a lot of nature shit, like lakes and bullshit. Like I'm uh, talking to some girl. She's like one there on vacation or some, or some shit. Like, or Branson? Yeah, yeah. They got like um, some yeah, lakes. Yeah, they also some... have a lot of like um, city life. It's really? Like, it's literally, oh, okay. Yeah, it's literally like Nashville, Tennessee, but um, not as big. So, okay. so, right. so Susie, Stacy, and Janelle's plan was to stay at a hotel and attend the water park White Waters and amusement park Silver Dollar City. For various reasons, they all decided to ignore the idea of spending the night at the hotel. Instead, they decided to spend the evening at Janelle's home. But when they arrived, they found that Janelle's re- residence was too crowded because uh, a handful of her relatives coming over from all over Missouri were there to celebrate her graduation. Okay. So at approximately 2 a.m., Suzanne and Stacy went back to Cheryl's home. So Cheryl is, of course, the mother of Susie. So Suzanne and Stacy basically went back to Susie's house and told Janelle that they, were, they would call her in the morning to continue their plans. From what is known, the last res- uh, reported sighting of the two young women was on Battlefield Road at 2.30 in the morning. Despite how late the night was, many of the roads throughout the town were heavily busy due to graduation and the weekend. According to the details of the case, it is believed that Susie and Stacy made it back 
to their destination without a hitch. So there's no problem. They got back to Cheryl's, a.k.a. Susie's okay. house. Earlier that night, Cheryl, again, the mother of Susie, was last heard from between the time frame of 11 and 11.30 p.m., speaking to a friend on the phone and working on a project. Don't know what type of project. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, uh, making a giant like- dildo out of, like, clay. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. So throughout the three-hour stretch, nothing seemed to be amiss. amiss. Yet what followed has baffled investigators and true crime uh, fans like ourselves for 25 years. On the following morning, Janelle called Cheryl's home to reignite their plans for the day, you know, with Susie and uh, Stacy. She never received a response, even though she was making numerous phone calls, leaving messages, all that shit. At first, Janelle wasn't that alarmed, that the, and, and you know, she thought the girls were maybe still asleep, some shit like that, but since they had plans for the entirety of the day, Janelle and her boyfriend, Mike, decided to drive to Cheryl and Stacy's home at 9 a.m. When they pulled in, there weren't any oddities. Nothing seemed weird. Three cars belonging to Susie, Stacy, and Cheryl were present with hers in the normal parking spot under the carport. So that would mean Cheryl, the mother, she parked under the carport. So uh, Janelle's frame of mind changed rapidly once she got out of the car with Mike to go knock on the door. Once Janelle and Mike were at the front porch, they noticed the front door was left wide open. There had been broken glass scattered everywhere, and that came from the globe around the light on the porch. So, you know, there's like a light bulb, and then there's like a outside. Yeah, like the, yeah. the light around it to yeah. make it more like, yeah. Yeah, to protect it and shit. So that was yeah. broken. So when Janelle and Mike made their way inside, confusion began to seep in. The TV was on, but not on any specific channel. So I don't know if it was static or just some infomercial shit. Okay. It was a station that wasn't available to them. Oh, so it was causing static. Oh, um, dude, that's fucking that, creepy, man. That's that like, like you creepy. walk in and it's like static. like. Yeah, that's very creepy. So as uh, Janelle and Mike continued their rounds uh, around the home, both were shouting the names of Susie and Stacy, but no one answered. The only signs of Cheryl, Susie, and Stacy were their purses, jewelry, cigarettes, along with makeup in the bathroom and the bedrooms, and the beds having signs of being slept in. So, I mean, the girls showed up at the house at 2.30. I'm assuming that Cheryl was already asleep. So, it seems like the girls at least crawled into the, the beds. So... In my eyes, right there, I would think some shit went down around 4 or 5 a.m. So the family dog, a terrier by the name of Cinnamon, was acting frantic and aggravated to the point where the dog wanted to be held in Janelle's arms. She hinted to Mike that it was possible Susie and Stacy had already left and they were heading towards the water park. As they made their way back outside, as if right on cue, Straight out of a horror movie, the landline phone began to ring. Janelle quickly quickly answered the phone, hoping the caller would know what the fuck is going on. 
what she heard was instead one of the most disgusting things that she had ever heard. On the other end of the phone, a male voice was throwing out <laughs> <that's> a big <laughs> word. The male voice was basically just like talking like sexual shit. Uh, like just just caught up a like, number hey, was baby. talking shit. Yeah, hey baby, is your clit big? <laughs> Are you wet right now? And so, she's so like, got... oh, shit. So she felt sick. She hung up the phone and said, "Oh, that's okay. gotta be a prank." Okay, a prank at nine a.m. That has to be a <laughs> has to be a fucking sick motherfucker, dude. <laughs> Dude, do you think do you think um if it was a prank he he like woke up early and did the prank or do you think he stayed up till nine a.m. and did this like prank? Yeah, he probably stuff? he probably stayed up. <laughs> probably <laughs> stay- Nobody wakes up and is like you know what I'm gonna go ask this girl how big her clit is and if her pussy is juicy or not. <laughs> you know it's like nine a.m. Jesus Christ, make some scrambled eggs, have a cup of coffee. And, uh, you know, watch a little TV. You don't do that shit right away. Yeah, they're like, goddamn. But, yo, but to be fair, though, this was, like, 1992. So it was, like, before the internet and porn and everything, you know? So, like... I didn't even see I anything mean, with the internet. I said, make scrambled eggs, have a cup of coffee, and watch TV. No, no. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is, so, like, all these people, like, they didn't have the internet, like, we grew up on, where you could, like, look up whatever you want to look up. So, like, you know, maybe you, you did want to, like, have a girl's number. You, like, call her up and see some, like... At 9 a.m.? <laughs> well, probably not at 9 a.m. I'll probably do it, like, closer to, like, 9 p.m., but you get what I'm saying, right? Maybe noon, you know, when they're <laughs> having lunch. Maybe after the scrambled eggs. 9 a.m. is fucking early for some shit like that. So uh, Janelle hung up the phone. As she disconnected the conversation, the same male called back immediately. And oh, shit, he, this, this guy's uh, persistent, you know? Yeah, and he was like, hey, man, but what about your butthole? Can I see it? I want to see your butthole. So she hung up again. And um, her and her boyfriend, Mike, just dipped out the house. They left. At the other end of the spectrum, Stacy's mother, uh, Janice, and her oldest daughter, Lisa, were under the impression that Stacy was at Janelle's house. As they were supposed to be, but remember, they showed up to Janelle's. And um, there's a lot of family there. So... Um, un- unbeknownst to them, a relative relayed the information that Susie and Stacy left for Cheryl's. This frustrated Janice, but she ultimately lets the irresponsibility slide. Shortly thereafter, Janice and Lisa headed into town to pick up Lisa's wedding dress at the bridal store. Almost a full day had gone by and Janice still had not heard from her daughter Stacy. Again, since there's a lot of people in the story, Stacy is one of the girls that were at the house. Due okay, to Cheryl, so the, I was going to say, so to recap for everyone listening, so the missing girls are Cheryl's a mom, okay, and then Suzanne and Stacy are the girls. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so all the missing people begin with S, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, like S, that's kind of weird. Missing, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So due to Cheryl and Suzanne's, Suzanne moving to another house, Janice wasn't aware of the new address and the phone number. After a little searching, she was able to track down the new residence in the phone book, and she decided to pay a visit. From Janice's perspective, she immediately felt unnerved by the situation. Though nearly 12 hours had gone by since Janelle and Mike were there, Janice encountered the same unsavory scene. 
With instincts of a mother, she quickly prompted the landline that was last used by Janelle many hours earlier with the, uh, how big is your clit conversation, <laughs> and she called the police instead. Unfortunately, Janice's, uh, Janice unintentionally deleted the messages that were on the answering machine previously, including the unidentified male who was saying shit like, I want to see your clit. How big is it? Is your juice, is your, is, is your juicy pussy? Is your pussy juicy? Can I see that butthole? All those messages were deleted, and as a result, key evidence in the investigation was lost. So, uh, good God fucking damn it, Janice. job, Janice, dumb bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, hold on, hold on. So they had the phone number, but not the messages, or no? No, the, uh, dude, back in 92, it was like a two-quarter yeah. messaging. You know? Oh, you click delete, there's no way to fucking... Yeah. No uh, way to get it back. Man. Um, so, nevertheless, the police filed a report of a missing persons case, but since they received the call at such late hours, they suggested uh, they suggested for Janice to swing by the police station in the morning. The next words the officer told her were, could you try to obtain the dental records for your daughter, Juice? Uh, oh, my God. I have to say that again. Juicy. Wow. Of your daughter, Stacy. Those words pierced Janice. Because in her mind, that implied a scenario where a deceased body was involved. Neglecting sleep, Janice started her own work into the investigation. She began developing and printing out pictures she took on the day of graduation, creating a missing persons poster to hang up throughout the town. That's kind of, um, it's kind of tweaker shit. Like, you didn't even let one day go by, and you're already well, I mean missing. I mean, I don't know, dude, to be fair, like, if if she knew her daughter and her daughter was, like, a straight-A student that, like, always checked in, like, before bedtime and shit, like, you know, even though it's not been 24 know, hours, man, like, would, you kind of, you know. I don't know if I would, like, already make missing persons posters. Yeah, I mean, I don't know either, but, yeah. So it wasn't long after that when the community began to get mm. involved as well, eventually having over 40,000 flyers handed out across the entire state of Missouri. Days had gone by with no viable leads or answers on the whereabouts of Cheryl, Susie, and Stacy, until Springfield police received an interesting tip. A young waitress working at George's Breakfast, a favorite restaurant of Cheryl and Susie, claimed to have seen the three missing women the night of their disappearances between 1 and 3 a.m. The police delved into the information and were able to find the other customers eating at these hours to help corroborate the claims. Sadly, the waitress's statement could not be corroborated and was officially considered unreliable. Oh, what? I mean, so like, if so you're... People at the restaurant basically said that didn't happen. Well, I mean, like, if you're eating in a restaurant, are you really, like, paying attention to, like, who the other customers are? I think I'd be focusing on my, like, scrambled eggs or whatever. Maybe at, like... Fucking 1 to 3 a.m. But I mean, dude, if I'm eating like some bullshit 1 to 3 a.m., I'm probably drunk. I'm not like, dude, I don't remember who else was in the restaurant, you know? It depends if it's like a busy Denny's or if it's like a little mom and pa diner and there's yeah, nobody else in there. So with little to no answers to work on, the police started digging into the backgrounds of the three women. They were able to shake <laughs> loose uh, interesting tidbits that led to Bart Streeter, the son of Cheryl, an older brother, 
by nine years of Susie. Looking into his past, they were able to discover problems between the family of three. At one point in the early 80s, Bart was kicked out of the home due to his overindulgence of alcohol on a regular basis. Cheryl did not approve of him getting so fucking drunk and told him, if you want to live under my roof, then you have to abide by my my rules. Bart told her to fucking eat a dick. Okay. And he moved away say, for 10 years. I was going to, yeah, dude, that's Bart with two T's, by the way. Bart's. Yeah. That's how it's spelled. So. Yeah, like fart, but with two T's. Bart. <laughs> So he moved. Okay. He he, t- he told her to suck his dick and and uh, moved away for ten years. Yeah, I was gonna say like I don't know what I mean. Okay, so the one girl had an older brother. The mom had like an older child. Like, you know, I, yeah. you know, kind of looping in the story. It's well, not really uh... still the same last name, Street. Okay. So it's just still the same father. I don't okay. know why Cheryl has a different last name. Maybe divorce or something. I mean, it says single mother. So I don't know. Same same father though. Those two. Okay. So, okay. Um, unknowingly to both Cheryl and Susie, Bart reappeared back into Springfield in the fall of 1991 because of a rough breakup and falling out with his girlfriend at the time. Hoping to mend things between the family, they all reacquainted. Bart and Susie agreed on uh, sharing an apartment together, reconnecting the broken relationship from 10 years prior. It wasn't long until things went sideways. Bart was finding it difficult to adjust to his new single life, still feeling the heartache of the breakup. This resurrected his demons, causing his addiction to alcohol to take an even more fearsome toll than before. During an argument uh, between Bart and Susie, the fight led to physical altercations, and that was the final straw for Susie, and she moved back in with her mother, Cheryl. Bart was considered one of the first suspects in this case, but he was quickly ruled out as having any involvement in the case. It doesn't really say why. As the police kept investigating the backgrounds of the three women, they found another potential lead in Suzanne's, Susie's uh, ex-boyfriend, Dustin Reckler, and his friend Michael Clay. And I heard about these two, so I don't remember okay. what, but I heard about these two. So while uh, while Susie and Dustin were in a relationship, Dustin and Michael were charged with vandalizing a mausoleum and also stealing gold teeth from corpses. What the fuck? Dude. That's some ghetto shit, dude. And they were also profiting by selling the, those gold teeth at nearby pawn shops. Once Susie found out about the criminal charges, she broke off the relationship with Dustin. With anger and overall bitterness from Dustin and Michael, there were multiple reports about hearing Michael say, I wish all three of the women were dead. And despite their alibis for the night of Cheryl, Susie, and Stacy's disappearance, their whereabouts the night that they vanished were never confirmed. However, due to zero evidence pointing towards their direction, they were never apprehended or charged with the disappearances. They still, however, are considered suspects to this day. As more tips started creeping in, uh, the more stranger the things became. Uh, in the very early hours of the disappearance of Cheryl, Susie, and Stacy at approximately 6 a.m., a woman sitting outside on her front porch 
uh, noticed a peculiar van. She explained to investigators that the vehicle was a Dodge panel van. I think, oh, hell yeah, I killed this mosquito. It was in my uh, house. Um, fuck anyway, so, mosquitoes. Fuck them. Um, so she explained yeah. to investigators that the vehicle was a Dodge panel van that had a silver to a greenish hue. The model was seemingly from the mid-1960s to the early 1970s. Are you at the article? Yeah, dude, I'm at the article. I'm following okay, so along. You, I'm so like, you see really the van. You see yeah, the van. dude. Dude, it's, it's That's like... a pretty fucking creepy van. Dude, it's like the rape van before the rape van was like... Became the rape van. Yeah, you know, like, yeah exactly. I feel like the rape van was like a... What year were yeah, those made? Like, like um, late nineties or like, early two thousands. Like that's like the rape van in its fetus. You know? <laughs> that's like before yeah, it dude. really became a thing. Yeah, um, dude. Because so, like, to describe it to whoever's listening, like, um, yeah, just windows in the front. There's absolutely no windows in the back. It just like, like, yeah. literally, you could like. Yeah, it's, it's a rape van. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, <laughs> so she also said that the van was out of place, not a vehicle owned by any of the neighbors on the block. Furthermore, she noticed a young woman in the driver's seat that appeared to be very distressed. She claimed to hear an unidentified male voice speaking to the driver saying, back out slowly and don't do anything stupid. Unfortunately, her tip wasn't phoned in right away. The witness explained that she hadn't had any apparent knowledge that the three missing women, you know, about the three missing women, since the case was still fluctuating in its early morning hours and hadn't been broadcasted on the local news. When the story finally broke, that's when the witness called the cops, saying that the female driver was definitely Susie. The police considered her testimony to be very credible and decided to buy the same modeled van, paint it the same color that the witness believed it to be, and they parked it out front near the police station with a phone number to contact the police. That's kind of cool. What? Okay, I mean, you know, I, I, it's fuck twelve, but like that's kind of cool by the police to, to to buy a van, call, you know, paint it the same way, and then just paint their number on it. I mean, it, would would they just put nine one one on it? You fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, have you seen this van? Call nine one one, and yeah, a bunch of idiots would be like, hey, I saw this van, yeah, and it's like their van, yeah. Yeah, where was it? It was in front of your police station. <laughs> <laughs> You motherfucker. Be like, like, not that one, you That's dumbass. the 50th call we got that night. God damn it. We should have been more specific. Yeah, but um, dude, like, this, this is just all based on eyewitness testimony, and, like, those are, like, notoriously unreliable. Like, what do you think about that? Very. No, yeah. Um, I don't know if that bitch is lying or not. I mean, but, could, dude, I she could have been, like, tweaking it, or on something, dude. Who knows? I don't know how much... Back then, it was probably crack, but I don't know how how much crack yep. a suburban white neighborhood was smoking. Yeah, but then I don't know. At the same time, it, it like really it doesn't wasn't really... that many meth users back then. Yeah, but also, dude, it doesn't make sense because like, okay, let's say you buy into this theory or whatever. Like, like it doesn't make sense. You kidnap someone, you make them drive the van, and then you instruct them to back up. Like, what the fuck? What like? That you way, know? that that's exactly what you would do if you were hijacking a, a van. You no, know, no, if you force somebody in a van, you're like, yo, back up real slow. Don't do anything stupid. I got this gun in your pussy. <laughs> yeah. Pull the trigger. Yeah, you just kidnap some women. You like make them drive and you're behind them like telling like, yeah, why not, dude? That 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 seems fucking plausible to me. I think. That's no, nah, man, I would. I personally just tie them all up in the back and I drive, you know? <laughs> 
Dude, I don't trust a girl's driving caught, history. Stupid motherfucker. Like, Dude, I... this, this this fucking uh this Bulgarian looking motherfucker <laughs> backed up in this van, right? He looked goofy as shit. Goofy as shit. Kept laughing like, ah, ah, ah. you know. And then there was, and you heard some muffle like, I swear there was some bitches back there tied up. That's why you would get caught. No, you you make, you make one of them drive, dude. Dude, I don't know, man. I would not trust some uh, bitches driving personally, but especially when I was coming in a crime, like, if I was to rob a bank, dude, there's no, no way I'd have a female. I, there's no way I'd have a female getaway right. driver. Like, no way. Right, but but if you're kidnap kidnapping them from the house and like you throw them into the van, you're like, "Yo, bitch, you drive," and then like a couple blocks away, when you're away from all the commotion, then you take over. You know, like, "Hey, you just drive away. I don't want nobody <laughs> seeing me in this area." Okay, I mean, you know what I mean. And then like, and then like, you know, a couple blocks over, you're like, "Pull over, ho." Like, pull like, over, you, let's switch, you yeah, know? pull over, and then, like, you tie her up even more, and then you take over. Because then those people around that area that maybe know those those women, uh, they don't see you. They just see one of them driving away. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm just putting up things, you know? So, with the strategic move okay. by the police, putting the, you know, the, the van out there, traction in the case started to pick back up. The paper boy, paper boy doing his deliveries at, at night described seeing a similar type of van, but the color of it was brown. Nonetheless, he couldn't assure authorities of the genuine color due to it being dark outside. So, I mean, green, brown, it's dark outside, you never know. I was going to say, how many of these vans were, like, out there? Was this, like, a super, super rare van? I mean, like, mm. I don't know how many were there, but, I mean... I don't know, man. Mid... Like, 60s to early 70s and it's 1992 i would say i would say it's kind of rare okay i um, mean like I, I don't know this eyewitness testimony like i don't know it's kind of like not yeah. reliable i, so, I would, I would right, still say it's kind of a rare van okay so over over time the color of the van changed dramatically and soon it whittled down into sheer confusion with no more promising breaks so the van theory basically went out the window janice okay. remained steadfast in her pursuit of finding her daughter as well as cheryl and Susie, continuing to make inquiries with new stations getting the story aired throughout the states because of persistence another major and promising break in the case occurred a tipster from the state of florida which is way far from missouri Okay. Called in after seeing the case on the national news, giving the name Robert, again Craig, Robert Craig Cox to authorities, adding him to the list of suspects. As it <laughs> turned out, the caller was the brother of Sharon Zellers, a 19-year-old teenager allegedly murdered by Robert Cox in 1978 as she was on her way f uh, home from late night work at Disney World. At the time, Robert was in the vicinity celebrating his graduation from basic training to become an army ranger. He was accompanied by his parents, who were at the hotel nearby. It was quite late that night when Robert headed out on his own while his parents were wanting to get rest in the room. Later that evening, Robert barged into the room covered in blood coming from his tongue that was partially bitten off. His parents were shocked and immediately rushed him to the emergency room. 
Robert told the nursing staff that he had bit his own tongue, yet the medical examiner concluded that the that it's improbability due to the direction that the tongue had been removed. So what? Somebody bit it. Some somebody bit his tongue off. So was yeah. he like making out with some chick, and he like she like bit his tongue off? I like, think we're I think we're gonna find out. A few hours faded by, and the police located the body of Sharon Zellers, who was reported of not arriving back home after work. Her deceased body was only a mere hundred feet from the hotel Robert and his family were staying in. With Robert Cox's wild story about his tongue, the police interviewed him, but were unable to charge him with any crimes, the main reason being a lack of advancement of DNA research in the 1970s. After this incident... Robert traveled with the army to Cal. Wow, they let him go. What the? Dang, f- dude. It's After crazy. this incident, Robert traveled with the army to California, where in 1995 he was charged and convicted on two separate occasions of abduction and assault of more women. He was sent back to Florida and was indicted on the murder of Sharon Zeller. Robert was eventually taken to trial, which he was found guilty, sentenced to life without parole, and placed on the death penalty. The ruling was later overturned because of the lack of DNA evidence. Mm. What the fuck? So after Robert Cro- uh, Robert Cox was released, he proceeded to move in 1992 where his parents lived in Springfield, Missouri. Months prior to the disappearances, the Zeller family, still mourning the loss of their daughter and the release of Robert, had kept tabs on him as much as they could. That is how the butterfly effect of Janice's dedication helped bring awareness to the Springfield Three. Dude, so this motherfucker... What the fuck, dude? This motherfucker moved to the town where these women went missing. Yeah, he, like, slipped through the cracks, too. It seemed like they had him on the murder, mm-hmm. uh, but, like, they didn't have the DNA evidence. But, like, what? I don't know, man. Like, usually in a murder, like, they have more than just DNA. They have, like fiber and like other evidence i don't even think they had that technology back then though no i mean dude they had like what do you mean like they didn't have dna technology but they had like basic fiber and like trace evidence and other shit you know yeah like like more like i don't know dude like if if he was wearing like a purple sweater forensic files yeah yeah Yeah. and there's like purple uh, sweater fibers on the victim and the mattress sweater type of thing you know Hmm. i would think there'll be at least some evidence like that there wasn't there wasn't though Apparently. So while in Springfield, Robert had several jobs. For a while, he was employed at an underground util- as an underground utility worker on the south central side of town. Quote, where an occupation many people believe could have helped him enter into unsuspecting homes. He was also a mechanic at a used car lot where, intri- intriguingly enough, Stacy's father was working. The coincidences mm. were, were, were definitely strange. With people believing that Stacy could have, at one point, visited the car lot to speak to her father, and in the process had been spotted by Robert, thus creating an attraction to her that would lead to her abduction. I I could see that. I could see that. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. all th- all theories aside, this was all conjecture and speculation with the locals. Nonetheless, Robert was interviewed and questioned by police, but his girlfriend at the time confirmed that he was with her the entire night. And they had planned to attend Sunday morning. Oh, wow. He's a good churchgoer. Okay. Oh, so we're going to okay. go to church in the fucking morning. Okay. So three years later in 1995, Robert was arrested in Decatur, Texas for holding an armed weapon to a 12-year-old girl. Wow. <laughs> uh, what a good Christian. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Since then, he had been serving a life sentence for aggravated robbery. 
In surprising turn of events, Robert's ex-girlfriend from 1992 spoke to Springfield Police and recanted her initial statement. So, she said, actually, he wasn't with me. Throughout the years of Robert's final arrest, the police consider him to be the prime suspect in this case. In an interview with Springfield Police, Robert once said, I can tell you that I know that the three women are dead, and the person who committed the crime had experience, and they were buried close to Springfield. The police took this statement very seriously and still do, but have reservations about the validity due to Robert toying with the cops, told a lot of lies, and, you know, he's just an attention sinker, so... There mm. are reports that say Robert will tell the truth about Cheryl, Susie, and Stacy once his mother passes away because he doesn't want to cause her grief and severe disappointment. It's unsure if that statement can be confirmed or denied. So his mom just needs to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and then they'll get the facts of the case. Yeah. Dude. Kill that bitch, dude. I don't give a fuck. How old Kill is she? 80 fucking 8? <laughs> she lived long enough, dude. Hit her in the face. <laughs> She'll probably die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, anyway. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Man, people are gonna hate me. Anywho, so as far- Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was gonna say, dude, this case- See, at least this is like one of the positives of like looking at cases sold. So like, I bet you her- his mom probably did fucking die in the last- 20, no, dude, this this is the 30. article that they're talking about. Though. This article is in 2018, so his mom is still alive. Oh, fuck, dude. Goddamn. Yeah, that bitch needs to just go. <laughs> Die already. Okay. All right, so, so one... Okay, so he doesn't want, like... He's not going to say shit till his mom dies, and his mom is fucking living the hella old. Oh, you know? okay, okay. It doesn't I matter what year this happened. Okay. Unless she died in the past two years. I don't know. Who knows? Coronavirus and everything. I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You heard about that? Uh, yeah, I do. I saw, you know. <laughs> that shit, dude. Dude, that shit don't exist. Come on, man. Fucking fake news. All right, but that's for another time. All right, go on. Show. As for unsolved cases such as these, you'll encounter rumors from all over the mill. One such rumor came from an inv- individual who was deemed an expert in the case, suggesting that the bodies of Cheryl, Susan, and Stacy were buried under the Southside parking lot of Cox Hospital, which was being built during the timeline of these events. In 2010, a reporter used her own money to hire a mechanical engineer with a respectable resume. He specialized in using radar to scan underneath concrete, basically penetrating the ground. While scanning the garage, the engineer noticed three anomalies. Wow. Just like three mm. people, maybe. He couldn't yeah. definitively say if the bodies, if they were bodies or not. Uh, only that they uh, bared resemblance to what he found in graveyards. The police were and still are skeptical, and not entirely convinced enough to have samples taken from the concrete to help further the investigation into this. Dude, just dig it up. Yeah, fuck? dude, like, what the fuck? And and it's, like, three exactly. It's not even, like, four, five, eight anomalies. like, exactly three, you know? Just dig it up, dude. You know Illinois and even Michigan, dude, like, uh, do you know how much construction is going on all the fucking time? I think you can afford to dig up one fucking parking lot. Jesus uh, well, it's, God. like, a whole garage, though, so, I mean, who knows, but, like, fuck, man. Like, just I know dig up over... The fucking little, just the area. That he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not like you dug up the whole thing. You dig up, like, where the anomaly or whatever is. Right. Just 
What the fuck, man? So even more per- uh, perple- perplexing is the fact that the engineer himself offered to pay for the cost of digging it up with his own money. Since the engineer made the made this clear to police, petitions from local residents had been made in order to have this location at Cox Hospital analyzed and hopefully bring light to overdue answers. However, it was later discovered that this expert was actually an online sleuth. Oh, God. <laughs> so he, he proclaimed to be a psychic, which is primarily the key component as to why law enforcement doesn't consider this information to be credible. So it doesn't say that they actually did dig it up, though. They just said, oh, this guy's uh, fucking loony, expert. yeah. Yeah, but like I mean, they actually if they actually looked and found three anomalies, that kind of corroborates what they're saying. Yeah, I would get a know? second opinion. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not like just like a loony, just talking nonsense. Like if they actually like, confirmed, you know. Yeah. So now we're well, it's 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, surviving family members are still striving to find answers. Unsettling tips aren't slowing down and every Lee is being investigated, yet the rabbit hole only con- uh, continues to grow deeper. And the biggest break that could lead to answers in this case at Cox Hospital still remains a mystery. I mean, that's kind of basically the case. So these three women. Yeah, I'm skimming the rest of this article and the dude just like come up with his own himself. shit. Yeah, he's talking about. Yeah, himself. pretty much. He's like, yeah. He's like, my name's Craig. I'm, I'm, I'm cool, but like, you know, everybody knows he's, he's a bitch. So. Yeah, I got a four-inch penis, but uh, <laughs> when it's hard, it's five, uh, maybe five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, what do we think? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, um, do you, well, okay. Do let's, you like, so, so, so. Do you like Robert Cox? <laughs> Yes, love him. No, you know what I mean. Do you like him as a suspect, you idiot? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was gonna say love him in my mouth, everything like. Robert Cox right. is the dude that was in Florida and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So hold on. Before we get to like the theories of who it is, like, can we come up with a theory of like what happened? Because like, like now they as probably, it seems, they probably got abducted in the house. I'm assuming at gunpoint. Yeah, because based they, on the they, evidence that uh, they listened to everything whoever it was said, you know. So I'm assuming yeah, but, it was at gunpoint because there was no, there was nothing like thrown about and shit. All of their purses were in the same room, which is a little bit weird. It's almost like they well, gathered in that room or some shit. No, no, no. Like, like uh, you know, I assume maybe like once they get inside the house, they'll like leave their purses like by the door or something. Like how I leave my keys and wallet by the door or whatever. But um. Yeah, it just seems like they were kind of like asleep and someone like... Yeah, but I, I, I heard that all of their shit was in the same room, though. Somehow. Oh, like one of the rooms? In one of the yeah, rooms? Like upstairs, like bedrooms? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. I think well, maybe like the guy with the gun came in and was like, Everybody, get in this goddamn room! And then everybody ran in there. It's like, grab your shit! <laughs> Put it <laughs> down by the door and listen to me. You three bitches are gonna die. <laughs> Get in the fucking van. <laughs> All right, man, but dude, like, okay, so let's, okay, besides the purse thing, because that's like a small, like, fact that may not be that important. All right, so it looks like they were sleeping because their beds were. Um, yeah. Are you looking at yeah. the uh, crime scene photos? No, I'm not. Is it the bottom or is that it? Uh, uh, no, you can Google it. I've seen the crime scene photos. Okay, I'm just gonna go to images. Okay, well, yeah. yeah, their beds were slept, and there's nothing, there's nothing thrown about. There's nothing amiss. There's nothing, but to, just all of their shit was in a pile. 
in one oh, of the okay. rooms. Oh, it was in a pile. Okay, well, yeah. that kind of makes a difference. But, okay, I don't like know what to purse, make of that. The purses were all together, you know what I mean? Like, they threw oh, them all st- together. Oh, stacked. Oh, okay, okay. Uh. Not exactly, like, stacked on top of it, but, like, next yeah, to yeah, each yeah. other. And then the mother, I believe, the mother was a hardcore cigarette smoker, and her pack of cigarettes was left behind. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, dude, let me tell you, hmm? um, it's not going to happen with, with somebody uh, leaving willingly. Yeah, for sure. But, dude, like, okay, so let's go with that theory. Like, I just think it's, like, a little bit ballsy. Like, even if you have a van to, like, I don't know, dude, like, if you want to kidnap the one girl because she was, like, attracted yeah, to her or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, why would you, like, first of all, why would you drive up your van, park in the driveway in the middle of the night and kidnap her and then her friend's mom and, and her friend or whatever like why, why not like drugs alcohol i don't know shit dude i don't know why not plan out just kidnap her like on your own time or something like why would you pull up into their driveway with your van that's like distinct get all three of them in the car it's it seems like it's like that's a little true, much those, those two girls are also supposed to be elsewhere but they came back to her house so i don't i don't know yeah it seems like saying, a little much dude it's like it's like a really ballsy kind of move if you're going to kidnap I, someone that way I still think it's an intruder. I think he. I think yeah, he absolutely. Came. I think he came. He showed up. He broke that light on the porch. Mm-hmm. It was like fuck this light. Yeah, you but know, dude, that broke. doesn't that doesn't make sense because it said only the cover was broken, not even the light. If you wanted to like break the light, make make things everything darker, so he's maybe not seen or something. Why didn't he break the light bulb? Because I'm pretty sure this article said the- like just a cover for the light bulb, not the light bulb itself. Yeah, but maybe maybe he unscrewed it or something. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. I mean, he why broke, not? He, he broke it and unscrewed it a little bit. Why won't you just unscrew it to begin? Okay, but whatever. Besides well, that, like, um... no. If there's a cover on it, sometimes it's bolted down. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. So he broke it. But then, but he then, was drunk, pissed off. Yeah, but then, what do you make of um the TV on static? It seems like that's weird. Yeah, that's fucking. Weird. I don't know how to make of that. I have no idea what to make of that. Because I mean, I don't know. Like, think about it. Like, if you're just. I mean, I don't know, dude, if I was to, like, like, commit a crime or something like that, would I, like, do some shit like that to make it more creepy and eerie on purpose? Probably not. I probably, like... No, I don't think he did it on purpose. I mean, but, like, that's, like, the TV on and, like, a channel that you don't have. It's almost like, you know... Like, well, have you ever been watching TV and then you fall asleep and you wake up and you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, but it's, like, a, some infomercial or some shit. It's, right. it's not, like... But but back then... I don't know if any station ever turns a static. <laughs> if there was nothing on. Well, no, no, no. Okay, so like I think back then. Okay, were, well, they said it was on a different channel that they normally don't watch. Though. No, okay, okay. So like, okay, so I, I was not around in '92. I was like one year, one year old. But like, yeah. I, I was just like with the old TV. So like, let's say you have channels like nine, twelve, and fifteen or some shit, right? So like, those are working channels. So if you go to like channel fourteen, which you don't have, it's just static all the time. Mm-hmm. But you can still turn to channel 14, which, like, why like why the fuck would you be able to do that? But, like, yeah, you could go on know, it. Maybe, it was, maybe, like, maybe. literally static. There were some channels that were, like, literally static at all times. Maybe, maybe the guy who came in was trying to turn the volume down. And he accidentally hit the, the channel button. You know what okay. I mean? <laughs> he yeah, went one, okay. He went one up, and it's like, oh, god damn it. And then, he's like, like he's, he's like, I gotta he's, go upstairs. They heard me or some shit. Okay, so he broke into the house. There's TV on. He's like, let me turn it down. But instead, he, instead yeah, of maybe down, the vo- volume down, yeah. he had turned down the volume, the channel down button instead of volume down button. And he was like, well, yeah. it's static now. Fuck it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, 
it's probably unlikely, but hey, man, it's possible. Okay, but that's not really like yeah, that's not really a clue. That's just kind of like a creepy fact about the case. So, right. Um. So yeah, I so mean, I, all the all the, I think they were gathered in the same room. Mm-hmm. So throw your shit down, come with me. Probably at gunpoint, which is why nothing mm-hmm. was knocked around and shit. Mm-hmm. I think I think if somebody's holding a knife or something. Um, yeah. And probably, three on one. I mean, yeah, three on one. Yeah, you could probably yeah, yeah. look and jump them. And I would assume that there's probably maybe even two people. Yeah, least. I was gonna say, dude. Yeah, e- yeah even two. with like women. Yeah, even with women, dude. Like one guy, three to kidnap three women at the same time. Like I've never even like heard of a case like that. It's like really uh ballsy, yeah, especially there. I was gonna say it's two people. Yeah. Maybe um, you know, uh, it's like two buddies that are very big alcoholics or drug users. And, yeah, but dude, um, honestly, that's rare because a lot of these big crimes like kidnapping, murder, and stuff like it's a solo crime. It's very, right, very rare that there's people. like a tandem. Yeah, this I agree. So. People, that's the difference. Yeah. Do I think that the van theory is credible? Maybe. I think that they were forced into a vehicle. Was it a van? Shit, probably. Was it the green van? I don't fucking know. But I think that they were forced into a vehicle. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, there's no, like, you know, if, if they were within walking range anywhere, though, I think they'll been found, like, or some oh, yeah. kind of evidence. Well, I think there. they were forced into a vehicle, and, and whether or not one of them was forced to drive, like I said earlier, <laughs> it's possible. Uh, I would disagree with having the person kidnapped drive, because, you know, imagine she fucking crashed into a tree. That <laughs> then, then what, dude? Your, your fucking van's... <laughs> crash into a like if you crash into a fucking curb, I will fucking blow your mother's head off. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah, I got you. I'm just saying, man. I don't know. All right, so let's um let's go with the suspects. What do you yeah. think? I mean, Robert Cox seems pretty pretty good. I don't think it's the uh, brother. Yeah. That. No, not the brother. Uh, yeah, definitely not the brother. I don't. Yeah, think definitely it's, not the brother. Um, I don't think it's the ex-boyfriend and then the friend of his where they were doing crimes and that's why they broke up. I don't well, think... Well, I mean, like, honestly, that would make sense with your two-person theory, um, but... Yeah, it I, would make sense, but I just... I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem like it's a... It just doesn't sit right. It's, I'm not like, yeah, man, that's for sure something that could have happened. I just don't think okay. that he did it for some reason. Okay, so I mean, out of those three, wrong. three theories, uh, the one we like the most is that uh, Robert Cox guy. I guess. Yeah, because there's a string like, of it, you know. He has yeah, uh, like a pattern and string of... Uh, yeah, he fits DMO. I would think that he, he would need a friend, though. I really think that there's two people involved, which goes back to the boyfriend and the friend. Yeah, but, it, uh, dude, at the same time, man, see these... The two-person crimes are kind of like... A little bit harder to pull off because, like, you know, imagine you do a crime and then your buddy's not going to, yeah, like, how did Robert fuck Cox um, manage to get all these three women under control? I mean, it's possible with a gun and, like, a very aggressive attitude. It's a little bit ballsy, obviously. You're breaking through their house and... Yeah, but, I mean, that guy seems ballsy. Yeah. So, I mean, um... He doesn't seem it. He is ballsy. Oh, it's just so... I mean, with the, with the uh, last name of Cox, you got to be pretty ballsy, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So, so does it say what he's up to now, or or what, what is he doing? I think he's in prison for life. Oh, he's in prison on some other yeah, shit. Yeah, he's okay. the one waiting for his mom to die. Oh, okay, well that's fucking sad. He was in prison when he was for his mom to die. Okay. No, fuck him, dude. That's not sad at all. He's in prison for a reason. I'm saying his mom should die so he can commit, uh, <laughs> admit to these fucking crimes. Okay. Okay. I see. Fuck um, him and his mom. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, so at least we think. Yeah, I think Robert Cox is probably the guy. I don't think. It's the boyfriend and the other dude, but I'm not ruling it out completely. I'm ruling okay. the brother out completely. Okay, so any other theories, um, maybe like... Okay, so they obviously didn't leave anywhere to go off on their own and get kidnapped along the way because all their shit was still in the house. Yeah, um, and, the mom, and the mom... Dude, the most important part is how you know mm-hmm. they were forced out of the house is the mom's cigarettes. She was a fucking yeah, true. hardcore smoker. They're gonna take their pack of cigarettes if they go willingly. Okay, she was forced I got you. out of the house. I got you. Any, I mean, then the other theory is like some other intruder that was not mentioned in the it, suspect's list. It could be a stranger. Right? Some, it could be a stranger. Yeah. Stranger that saw that, you know, any of them and was like, dude, um, I'm going to rape all of them later or something like that, you know, and kidnap them. Yeah, but dude, like the, the thing that's like really like odd about this case is like, why would you be an intruder in their house? kidnap and take away like usually an intruder is not going in and kidnapping people out of their house like if they're gonna rape yeah. them they'll do it there or run away or they're gonna murder them they'll do it there why would you take i mean technically a- robert cox was a stranger to them but okay yeah yeah it. yeah but do you get what i'm saying like why would you take them to a secondary crime scene location now you're getting risk of like getting caught along the way getting caught at the second location evidence yeah. in the second location having dumped the bodies like i just think if you're gonna like if you want to do that, just much easier. Do in the house, leave them in the house, bail out, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't, does not make sense to break into their house and kidnap them. But that's what happened. So who, who, yeah. what do you think? What do you think? Do you think Robert uh, Cox? Likely it was him. Um, but but it you're also been... not excluding the boyfriend and the friend, or the ex-boyfriend. Yeah, I would say that's unlikely the ex-boyfriend and the friend, more likely the Robert Cox, or it could have been, like, a random person that was not mentioned in the article, but, like, what really but strikes me... you just me, said that, why would somebody do that? But that's well, what happened. Well, well, yeah, but why would anyone... I, I'm just thinking about the motivations of the person doing it, and then he has to dump drugs, the bodies. sexual motivation, dude. They're on drugs. They're like, dude, I want to fuck. I'm going to kill this bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah, but dude, sexual motivation is huge in cases like this. Yeah, but dude, they're just waste. Unless unless they took them like hostage and they kept them somewhere like alive for like period of time, you know. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like they took them to like their. Sh- I know what you're yeah, saying. They, they took them to like their shed and they kept them around for like a few weeks. Yeah, or like that that dude in uh, Ohio where he had those three girls tied up for like ten years. Oh shit, dude, that's crazy. Uh, so I guess I guess in theory Castro? they could like Ariel uh, Castro. I think he killed himself in prison. Oh really? Oh I did not know about that case. He like yeah, fo- man, he like, not fostered. He 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 got one of them pregnant, one of his slaves pregnant, and they had a kid. It was fucked up. Ariel Castro. Just Google about it, man. It's fucked up. All right, I'll look into it later. But yeah, so it could have been like that. But I don't Amanda know, man. Barry, like, I think was their name. Okay, so it's been like fucking almost 30 years like 20 or like 28 years and like still nothing that's crazy 
Nada. So, I don't know, man. <coughs> Dude, that's like the... And then the creepiest thing, I think, was the uh, static on the TV. Yeah. Did it say, like, how loud it was? <coughs> was it just static or was it, like, with noise coming say, out? They, they didn't say. Okay, they fuck, dude. Say. But that's the uh, fucking Springfield 3. So. Alright, man, well. Well, thanks for joining me, Rick. I'm gonna save this one. Yeah, no problem, man. Always, uh, always a good, good podcasting with you. Alright, well, that was a classic case, so, yeah, thanks again, Rick, for joining me. I'll, I'll put this up there as soon as I can, and I will talk to you sooner than I get that podcast up. <laughs> and I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in. Please spread the word and tell a friend. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and more. Please rate us five stars and leave a review. If you do leave a review, it could literally say, I eat poop, or Young Hank is a douchebag. It doesn't matter as long as you rate us five stars. It helps tremendously boosting us up on the charts, thus allowing new people to find us. It's all that we ask of you besides listening. Also, check out WeDidn'tDoItPodcast.com. We finally launched our website. It's pretty fucking cool. Uh, Once again, thank you to Rick for chiming in. I've, at this point, kind of made him an official guest host. Um, when I'm alone and my, co- my main co-hosts are unavailable, he, I might give him a call. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and remember my true crime sluts. Be true, have fun, and stay alive, motherfuckers. <laughs>